0: Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. We're talking about the future. And, and I don't know about you, but I am a self, I, I confess, I am a wart. Jenny has to tell me all the time, look what God's done, look what God's done. Listen, Over and over again, it's like, we... I, I'm one of those people who I want to tangibly see a miracle. I don't, just don't always see them happening day after day after day. Are you, are you kind of like me? I mean, it's like, I, I, it's like Jesus walks into town and he healed that guy. How come I'm not that guy? And yet miracles happen in my life day after day after day. I read a poll this week where most Americans don't believe tomorrow is going to be better than today. Isn't that frightening? I mean, we don't believe tomorrow will be better than today. I mean, That's scary. I mean, but, but I think that what happens is we, we get our focus and we spend our present griping about our past to the degree that our present can't reshape our future, meaning tomorrow stinks. I mean, don't you see how that happens? I mean, we, we get in a rut and we're griping and complaining about yesterday to the degree that today is ruined and it sets us up for tomorrow to be worse. And so, when you look at that and you think, well, how can I make sure I could focus on my future to become something that would matter and make a difference? Well, God has something to say about it. And, and when we look at this, you see, well, how do we start? I'm going to give you the most simplistic advice I could give you. If we could start every morning where when, you fit, when your feet hit the floor and you roll out of bed, your first thought would be, you know what? I want joy today. I want joy. I want peace. I want fulfillment in my life today. Now, most of us roll over and just think, "Ugh, coffee right? I mean, I've seen Hector in the morning. It's ugly, right? I mean, you, you get Hector without his contacts, and he hadn't combed his hair. He, on his mirror back there in that little room, it says Hector's Mirror. I mean, it's just, actually, it says hashtag Hector's Mirror. And so, if you want to take a few pictures today, you want to hashtag Hector's Mirror for us. And so, what happens is we hit the floor, and we think, man, it's going to be a bummer day. I got so much to do. And Before long, we believe it. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't believe you can declare yourself into joy. I mean, regardless of who, who may preach to billions of people around the globe from Houston, the fact of the matter is you cannot, you cannot speak yourself into joy because there's only one person that gives us a source of joy. But you can say this, I want to declare that I'm going to follow the one that gives me joy, and I will trust him to give that to me. Are you with me? And so when you look at that, say, what does God have to say about my future? Well, here's one thing, and this is tweetable. You ready? We know joy because it involves the infallible presence of God. We know it, don't we? We know it when we found it. And so what we find, we begin our teaching today in John chapter 14, understanding that joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. And here's here's what John says in chapter 14, verse 27. By the way, you can follow these uh, sermon notes on the app. So if you're watching online or you're here live today and you can follow those, all of my sermon notes are on the app. Just hit resources. You can hit this, uh, the message notes and, um, and you just follow along. It's got all the scriptures in there and on the screens. So in John 14, 27, here's what Jesus says. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Now, one of the greatest hindrances to our future is the worry that we have today. I mean, the fact of the matter is, worry and fret has become kind of our holy habit. I mean, we we just kind of become Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh, and before long, we're just, we'll never make it. And so, we struggle and work our way through this life trying to figure out, wait a minute, if we're not careful, we find ourselves imprisoned. And we find ourselves imprisoned to the degree that we're filled with worry and anxiety and fret and it overcomes us. The fastest growing segment of pharmaceuticals in America are drugs that will just ease our nerves. We're a fretful, worrisome people. I mean, if if we pulled everybody and said, how many of you take something to help you sleep, it'd be three quarters of the room. Because we're filled with anxiety and worrying. What does Jesus say? Well, here's what Matthew records Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. He says, that is why I tell you, and again, this is Jesus speaking, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? He goes on in verse 31, and he says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you, listen to this, everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Isn't that true? I mean, today's trouble's enough for today. So God's son says, don't worry about tomorrow. I've got this. Then, then what, are the, what are we fearful of? Are we feel fearful that we don't have enough retirement? Are we fearful that we're never going to live in that neighborhood? Are we fearful that we're never going to be able to buy that car? Are we fearful that we're never going to meet up to the bucket list? What are we fearful of? Are we fearful our kids aren't getting to the right school? Are we fearful our kids going to make a mess of our life? Are we fearful of our of divorce proceedings we're in the middle of? Are we fearful of a bad addiction? Are we, what are we fearful? What holds us back? I mean, sometimes I think I look at this and say, maybe we're fearful of all the wrong things. I think every now and then Jesus wants to look at it and say, come on, man, really? I told you I've got this. Every world religion says it's on you to do something. And Jesus comes along and says, it's all me. I've done it. I've got this. All you've got to do is follow me. As a matter of fact, God says in Jeremiah chapter 21 verse 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you. Now, you might ask here today, well, who's the you? You. I have plans for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope that your future could be brighter and bigger and better than we could ever imagine. Does that sound like a God who's waiting to bust you every time you mess up? You see, all of a sudden, our future now is dependent on our view, our construct, our, how we see God. So if we see God as somebody who's just waiting to bust you every time you do something wrong, you know what we do? We live in fear of just, okay, I don't want to mess up. And then before long, we're like the person that's on a diet eating 1,000 calories a day. And the doctor says, I need you to do this for two weeks. And you make it to like the 15th day. And the 15th day, you eat like 5,000 calories for breakfast. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what happens. We, we, get, we say, okay, I can do this for a season, but I can't do this long term. Our construct, our view of God, is a single element that describes our future. If you don't believe God is big enough for your job, for your marriage, for your kids, for your bank account, if you don't believe He's big enough for that, how on earth could you trust Him for heaven? You see, I think there are a lot of people in this room today maybe even most or possibly all of us, we're stuck in what I think is a spiritual Stockholm syndrome. You know what a Stockholm syndrome is, right? I mean, it's where a captor, a POW, an inmate, he's thrown into a jail cell, possibly beaten and tortured and interrogated, and and before long, after a certain period of time, he, he begins to identify more with his captor than he does his freedom. And eventually imagine yourself as the POW, and you've been beaten and tortured, and you're, 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 you're literally like in a fetal position, curled up in the dank, dusty, dark, damp jail cell, and there's no hope for tomorrow, and you've given up, and you believe everything the world owns you. It's got you. It's got its claws in you, and you're stuck. And all of a sudden, you hear with a loudspeaker system, you won. Your side won. And this guy comes by with a key, and he unlocks the cell, and he opens the door, and he says, come on out. And you're stuck there. He said, I can't come out. If I come out, then i got to deal with this. If I come out, people are going to see me for who I am. If I come out of this cell, if I accept freedom, God might ask me to do something I don't want to do. But I want to hang on to my life. I'd rather be a captive than find freedom. You say, well, Chuck, that's not me. I like freedom. Really? Freedom from addictions, freedom from selfishness, freedom from gossip, freedom from just being a mean-spirited human being, freedom from a bad marriage, freedom from divorce, freedom from having lost a child, freedom from cancer. You want freedom from all those things, but we're stuck in there. And half the time, most of the time, maybe all the time, we get right up to the threshold of the door, but we won't walk out and we're stuck and something's holding us inside this stockholm syndrome that says i've got you i think we started that way we were built and wired with a sin nature that said i like that and jesus comes along and says listen take every human rule that people have messed up take every rule of the church take every rule that every church has ever made I don't care if they're Baptist, they're Episcopalian, they're Presbyterian, they're Methodist, they're whack jobs, any church. When you put something on top of Jesus is enough, it's too much. And Jesus unlocks the door of our spiritual life and it flings it open and he says, come to me. And we get right to the threshold and we won't walk across See, God has plans for you. He wants to set you free. He wants us to have that life. I read this week that 80% of Americans believe in Jesus. 50% of them say they're, they're so-called born-again people. I fear that that's become a social term, a political term in America. It's not a condition of our heart. If so, listen, wouldn't the world be a better place? I mean, we're going to say, okay, Jesus, I'll take you for heaven, but I'm not going to trust you to live in my life like hell right now. I'm going to live any way I want to. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to live in this dark dank cell cuz I trust me more than I trust you. But now for heaven, I'll take you. I mean, you're basically a very cool fire insurance policy, but I'm stuck here. It sounds remarkable. It sounds maybe foreign. When I look at, when I survey the trappings of my existence, as I examine the lives of even the most religious of folks I know, I'm left wondering, is this really the sort of life the Bible was talking about? The kind where I'm worried and fretting and, and, and I'm upside down and everything, and life is, is that really life to the fullest that Jesus spoke about? It's all about my construct, my view, my belief of, of God. See, there's most of us in here, most of us in this room would say, okay, I I believe in God, but do you believe God? I mean, I know about God, but do you know God? You look at all that and you say, listen, the power of his voice resonates across life and death, especially to those who have loved ones gone. I talked to a sweet J.W. Bailey last night, whose brother was killed yesterday. you know, here's a guy in the latter days of his life, his brother 10 years younger, and he's on the phone with me, and he's crying. He said, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and I preached his wife's funeral a month ago. And he's thinking, this is hard. Where do I turn to? Here's his last words to me on the phone. He said, Pastor Chuck, I'm really glad I know where he's at, and I know where I'm going. Now, that's hope for the future. It's a little bit like the story of Lazarus. I mean, you, you've probably seen it on a, a, the Bible or AD or, or some movies. Or Jesus, he, he's away doing his thing. And his, his closest family and friends are Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus has died. And the girls have come to Jesus. You've got to come. You've got to help him. He's sick. Okay, cool. No problem. Y'all go on. So four days pass. Lazarus is dead as a doorknob wrapped up in burial cloths, stone in front of the tomb. Sound familiar? And so Jesus shows up, and everybody's like, if you'd have been here earlier, this wouldn't have happened. And Jesus is like, calm down. I've got this. I've got the future. I've got his life. I've got it. I'm, I, listen, I am life. Don't sweat this. And so we read in, in John's gospel in chapter 11, beginning in verse 41, here's what it says. So they rolled the stone aside then jesus looked up to heaven and said father thank you for hearing me you always hear me but i said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me then jesus shouted and i love this lazarus come out now can you imagine what those people thought okay he has lost his ever-loving mind that man is dead and stinks we opened the door and he smelled he's dead enough to stink what is he thinking? Lazarus come out in verse 44 and the dead man came out his hands and feet bound in grave claws His face wrapped in a headcloth. and Jesus told them unwrap him and let him go And can you imagine? Watching that dude walk out Can you imagine Jesus saying take those nasty filthy claws off him and let him go? Who do you think was happiest at the moment Jesus the people or Lazarus? The guy that was dead, dude's going to play ball this afternoon. It's good, right? Listen, we're Lazarus in this story. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the alpha, and he is the omega. He is our strong tower. He is our life. Your belief about him is all that matters that takes your future and takes it out of your hands and puts it in the hands of the one who has holes in them because he did that for you. And he says, come, walk out of the jail cell. I want to give you freedom. You say, well, Chuck, now listen. I can't be Lazarus. Yes, you can. You know what Lazarus did? He followed the voice of Jesus. Lazarus was dead as a doorknob you know what he did he did one thing he followed the voice of Jesus you say well Chuck I, I don't I don't I don't know I don't know how to hear the voice of Jesus well maybe you ought to spend some time with him what if you were to trust him what if you what if you were to walk out of the jail cell say I'm going to spend some time with the freedom giver so that I can experience freedom I can experience life I can experience joy what if I what if I were to do that I mean, the voice of Jesus, the freedom giver, cries out from the pages of this Bible into our hearts, into our selfish lives, into ourselves. Jesus' desire for us to join and journey with him requires only one thing, our willingness to follow. That's all. I mean, Jesus doesn't come and say, tell you what, you get your junk right, then you can step out of the jail cell. Jesus doesn't say you got to serve your time, then you step out of the cell. He says, I have unlocked the door. I have paid the price. Come out, get rid of the Stockholm syndrome. Trust me, follow me, follow my voice. I mean, that same Jesus is the one that invites you today to join on this journey, who says, I got big plans for you, plans that are for your best, plans that are for you, plans that will be unbelievable for you. And you know what he says? Follow me. All he says is, follow me. Jesus doesn't say, tell you what, when you can wear a suit and a tie, you can follow me. Jesus doesn't say, when you worship at 11 o'clock, follow me. Jesus doesn't say, when you sing hymns, follow me. When you sing praise choruses, follow me. When the music's not loud, follow me. When you can go someplace hip and cool, follow me. You know what Jesus says? Take all that junk away and follow me, period. Me alone, Jesus is enough. But that's up to you. Excuse me, Jesus comes along comes along, and here's what he says: "I will take everything for you. You don't even have to work for it. I've done it. Just follow me." As a matter of fact, in Matthew's gospel in chapter 11, here's what he says, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. That's his promise. By the way, that's not a promise that happens in heaven. That's a promise he gives you today. He says, I'm enough to give you that today. As a matter of fact, in Mark's gospel in chapter 5, verse 36, you know what Jesus said? Don't be afraid, only believe. Just, just believe. Just believe. Today I invite you to trust and believe. Today I invite you to, to run into a future with a determination to find joy, to find peace, to experience Jesus and all his mercy, all his grace, all of his love. But Chuck, I can't do it. Are you ready? You're right. You can't do it alone. Because see, it's on him, not you. The most beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ is he's done it, so all you have to do is receive it. He gives you a gift, and he says, open the gift, receive the gift of my love, and follow me. I can do that, right? I can do that. You can do that because then he takes everything on for you. He says, just come follow me. He says in Philippians where Paul's writing to the church in chapters 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Wait a minute. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. How are we doing on that scale? Not so hot, right? Me either. I'm with you. Me either. But he goes on. He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, what we're really saying is this. If you want to step out into freedom and follow the peace and freedom giver. You got to spend some time with him. You've got to walk with him. Let me read that phrase one more time. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You know what prayer is? We mentioned it a few weeks ago. It is an ongoing, never-ceasing dialogue with you and the freedom giver. The one who comes by the door of your cell and opens it and calls you out into an abundant life with him and away from your trappings of sin and addiction and selfishness and gossip and a life that's filled with junk and he says come on and follow me but you got to spend time with me if you're going to know my voice so i want to invite you to do something i'm going to i'm going to invite you over the next 40 days to spend four minutes a day in a guided prayer time to talk with jesus Now I know what some of you are thinking in here Chuck. I do not have four minutes of time Let me just help you with that. That's a lie You spend four minutes sitting in the drive-through at chick-fil-a waiting for a chicken biscuit You spend four minutes saying hello to somebody at work You spend four minutes complaining about what happened yesterday including how the sermon went too long You do have four minutes You have four minutes to speak with the freedom giver and I'm going to ask you to make that a holy habit. I want you to lose the habit of worrying about yesterday, fretting over tomorrow, and spend four minutes for 40 days. We're going to put on the app tomorrow. You just open the app up, hit resources, hit the 4x40 button. You don't have an app, you don't have a phone that can get an app, like you got a dial thing on it, then, then you can go to the Internet and look to sugarhill.church or sugarhillchurch.com and just go there, hit the resources button, you'll find the 4x40 literally four minutes but now here's the catch all right before you agree to it here's the catch i'm going to ask you for four minutes a day for 40 days to spend time with the freedom giver and read and pray these prayers we're going to guide you through out loud you say which i got no here's how i pray that's my prayer god knows my heart I'm telling you, man, there is something overwhelmingly freeing when you talk to God out loud. What I'm asking you to do, I'm not asking you to accept technology. I'm asking you to say, I'm going to commit four minutes a day for 40 days because it's not on me, it's all on Him. He has died for me, He has been buried for me. He has risen for me, and he is sitting in heaven waiting on me, but he wants me to have freedom now. And for some of you, it's a call that says, Jesus, I need you today. I don't know how to ask for freedom, but I know I want it. And it really sounds like this, Jesus, I need you. I need you to be the boss of my life, and he will hear you, and he will answer you. For some of you today, you'd say, man, I've been a Christian for 40 years. Then you know what I'd say, live like it. Get up in the morning and decide, I'm gonna spend four minutes with God for 40 days. I'm gonna get back on track. And for some of us who are are busy doing everything, and what's happened is now religion has become our trap. The church has become our cell. And we've forgotten that the service to the kingdom is not service to the church. Service to the kingdom is serving Jesus through the church. Don't let it become your religion. Jesus is enough. Maybe we need to write our course and focus our future on the freedom giver who says, I've done it all. I've got you. Father, today, we ask you, would you give total freedom in our heart for people here that have never experienced the freedom giver's power? Would you reveal to them that Jesus is enough the church isn't enough. Our people aren't enough. Our families aren't enough. Our job's not enough. God, our, our government's not enough. The only thing that is enough is Jesus. And God, I pray you draw us to Him that we might experience grace and fulfillment and joy in our life, that our focus on tomorrow would be greater than we could imagine that we would accept your plan for our life, for it is meant for our good. I pray we would do that this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.